0: welcome back to another episode of Towers Talk. I'm Angela.
1: And I'm Patrick.
0: Welcome back to another week. Towers Talk podcast is brought to you by Lion and Braxton Towers.
1: Towers. You can live anywhere, but when you're here, you're home. All right. So today, once again, we are going to do things a little differently. This is our last episode of the fall 2020 semester.
0: It's been weird and it's been fun. So today's episode is going to be a little bit unique for us.
1: Yeah. So at p- some point in this semester, Ange and I were talking about these episodes that we do, you know, as soon as the episodes end, by the way, we just go, we just stay in the Zoom and chat about them. And at some point we realized that we did like the introduction episode at the beginning of the semester, but most of the questions that we ask our guests, you all don't actually know about us
0: very true. So today we're going to interview each other. Uh, we're going to talk about our careers in residence life, how we got here, some of our crowning achievements, and what advice we would give to our first-year student, because we ask like everyone every week what they would give. Yeah, so exactly. we're, gonna, we're gonna start off, and you're gonna get to finally know us.
1: <laughs> yeah, we thought that this was a, an appropriate end to the semester. All right, so, Ange, Tell us about how you got to where you are. So, you know, how you became an RHC, how you like your like grad position that you did. Um, if you were an RA, how you got that position. Just tell us about, you know, your how you got here.
0: Yeah. So my journey into uh, res life and student affairs has been a special one. Uh, Since I was a young child, I thought I was going to be a teacher. I would play teacher with my dolls and my stuffed animals and was just obsessed with that. And When I was in college, I was a secondary English ed major, and so I thought I would be teaching high school English. Uh, At that time as well, I was an RA for my junior and senior years. We were prefects, though. If you're a Harry Potter fan, we were called prefects at St. Vincent College, where I went to undergrad, And so I was a prefect for two years, loved every minute of it. Um, Fast forward to um, the, oh gosh, what would that be? The spring of 2013, no, fall of 2013. um, I was student teaching. I was a super senior, so I graduated in May and was going back to finish the student teaching. Um, Ended up quitting my student teaching and having a life crisis and um, worked at a Barnes & Noble. And honestly, saying no to something that didn't bring me joy anymore, um, quitting the student teaching because I just, you know, it wasn't my thing, it was impacting my mental health, um, was was one of the greatest things that I did for myself um, as someone who, like, you know, definitely is type A, obviously picked up on, tries to be a perfectionist. And so saying no and learning that it wasn't my path was just really important to me. And so I worked at a Barnes and Noble. Um, If you have a weird Barnes and Noble year in your career, totally all for it. Um, And what I mean by that is, is sometimes we have to take time to do something else before finding what we're called to. So uh, don't be ashamed of that. The job market is really hard. It's okay to work in retail or do something else until you find what you love. So um, you know, and, and during that time, um, I worked as an assistant hall director at my undergrad, and then I moved to being a full-time hall director um, at St. Mary's College in Notre Dame, Indiana, which is an all-girls school for three years. Um, so that's an RHC position. I uh, love that, learned a lot, grew a lot working in an all-girls school. Um, went to grad school after working professionally for three years. So I went to Indiana University of Pennsylvania for a degree in student affairs and higher education. And as a grad, I worked at the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown as an area coordinator for two years. So essentially an RHC, um, but while I was a grad student. And then from there, I got here. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful to be here Um, I've worked at so many different types of colleges and I've always worked at, you know, I've been miss small private school. I went to one, I worked at one, but, um, I'm thankful that I ended up here and I'm challenging myself to grow in different ways, but also that I I really love it here and and love what I do
1: at WVU.
0: So Patrick, what about you? Tell me your story.
1: First, um, before I get into that uh I imagine you like Emma Watson in the Harry Potter movie being like it's prefect not perfect.
0: My uncle called uh, me Percy Weasley for a very long time in
1: college. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> um Edge, I've known you for a year and a half. We've been working together and I feel like I didn't know a lot of that. That was I mean for me it's I feel like i just learned a long story.
0: It's a long yeah, story. that was so cool. Yeah, thanks. I
1: also feel like uh Our stories are very similar. People are going to hear. We're very alike. Uh, And the last thing before I get into my answer is this is like this, these answers, I'm just going to use these for all my, any interview I do for the rest of my life. I'm just like, just listen to this little podcast, this little spiel I give about (laughs) my background. (laughs) I'm not answering the questions anymore about tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So how did I, what was my journey? Um, So fun fact in my undergrad experience at the University of Connecticut, um, I was not part of like normal student orgs. Like I wasn't part of community council or building council or area council. I wasn't an SGA. Uh, my primary club for my first two and a half years in college was, um, the Yukon all-star step and dance team. So it was, this is a very little known. Fact Incredible. about me? Incredible. No, yeah, people do not know this. I don't bring this up, and it's not like I'm ashamed or anything. I just honestly, it just kind of leaves my brain once I get to my junior year. Another very little-known fact that not even my own RAs know, um, which will they'll be surprised to hear this maybe, and and think about the butterfly effect of their of their lives. Uh, I initially was going to say no to the RA job. Uh, I would applied for it my freshman year and got told no, no thanks, not good enough. Uh, good better better luck next time and then i applied my sophomore year and got made an alternate so i was like okay that's fine maybe i'll get hired during the summer didn't get hired during the summer i was really happy my junior year i'd met all these people all these friends many of them came to my wedding last year um many of them i'm really close with still i met on that floor that year uh, i was living with my best friend and it was then that the universe decided to throw a wrench at me and say hey actually here's the job offer we want you to start in january and my gut reaction was to say, no, this job, I'd wanted it from the moment I stepped on campus. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore, actually. Um, I had a three hour conversation with my roommate at the time, Mark Jenkins, one of my best friends. And it was me saying, I'm not taking this job and moving out and him saying, you've wanted this from day one. You are taking this job and you are moving out. Um, Mark won that argument. I took the job and now I've made a career out of it uh so thanks mark uh you saved me from myself uh i went to the i went to college thinking i was gonna be a high school math teacher that was why i went to college uh i didn't get i didn't succeed as a math major so i thought english teacher instead and then i didn't get into the teaching program at uconn so i went to towson university for a masters of teaching and i got a grad assistantship as the ac the assistant coordinator for glenn complex tower d Uh, Within like the first 10 minutes of my first class, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to do this. Like all these people are so passionate and I do not have the same passion at all. I don't want to do this. Uh, it was a horrifying moment as I realized I was stuck in this masters of teaching program uh, because I loved my job, but I just like every week, cl- class after class, I was like, I'm good at this. I got like straight A's, but I don't care about it. I'm not passionate and I don't want to be a teacher. Um, so. I did a master's major switch and moved into a master's of business administration an MBA and like, and spent three years as a grad um, and got my MBA. And then I ended up at WVU. Um, I knew somebody who knew somebody at the school. And so they encouraged me to apply. Um, and I interviewed and I had a job. I've, I've told people this story so many times I had a job offer on the table from Pitt, but they had taken like three weeks to get back to me. I interviewed with, WVU on a Thursday, and the last thing I do is I saw our our executive director Trish Sandana. Uh, so I go into Trish's office and I say, you know, thank you for the interview, thank you for the gifts, as I like they gave me a little box of cookies on my way out. Uh, and I said, when can I expect to hear back? Because in my mind, I know I have this job offer, so it's like this bargaining chip where I can be like, oh, I have a job offer on the table, like, you know, like, what do you guys got? And she was like, we're gonna move as quick as we can on the candidates that we're serious about. And I was like, I honestly I hear that a lot. I've heard that twice before. So like, how, when can I realistically expect to hear back? This is Thursday afternoon. She goes, we're going to call you on Monday afternoon. I was like, thank you, ma'am. You have a good day. Goodbye. And I like, sprinted out of her office. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a job offer from them. Uh, and so just the, how serious WV was, how quick they were, that told me like everything I needed to know that they really wanted me here. It wasn't dragged out. It wasn't like other schools who had just not talked to me in, you know, months Uh so I knew W V wanted me and it was that that wanting to be wanted drove me to accept the job offer. So
0: I love that. Yeah, and I don't I knew a little bit of your story, Patrick. I didn't know that like almost to a T So there are a couple things that I have taken from your story. So one, all of you education majors out there, we really respect and value you. So um, even though, you know, our passion for being in the classroom, um, the high school classroom, I should say, ended a little bit, um, you know, I, I think that I still consider myself an educator. And I think in our roles in res life, we still have that passion and calling to be educators. It just wasn't the type or um you know the area I love love English still I know Patrick and I both still write a lot so yes. um definitely find ways to to live that passion but to all you teachers out there we give you all the credit um yes, because we definitely couldn't do it and the second thing um, to just put out there is um, if you've ever applied for an RA position and not got hired, I also was rejected my sophomore year when I applied. So you're looking at two people who did not get an RA job right away living this as our careers. Um, and if honestly, if, you, um, if you're here at WVU and did not get the RA position your first year and we're super discouraged, I know I reached out to a couple people last year and sat and told them that same story, um, because there's a lot to learn. And um, that year in between, I grew a lot as a person, I studied abroad. So, um, you know, hang in there and know that there's still a lot of value in the position. And um, it may not be when you want to get the position. But you know, when you do get it, um, you know, if you do get it, it's definitely meant to be and you're going to learn a lot from from that. I guess, sometimes we need to be um, rejected to, to grow and stretch ourselves is what I'm yeah. getting. At
1: Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to get that's, that ties into something I'm going to get into with our third oh, question gosh. later on. So,
0: okay. All right. So, so our next question, what are some of your proudest achievements in your res life career? Just give us a few. Cause knowing us, we could sit here and talk all day about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, they could talk a lot about this. So, um, man, uh, just going through like my highlight reel, not to like, Dive into a lot of them. I am going to talk about some of them more than I should. Um, so I was in R eight UConn uh, when the Sandy Hook shooting happened, and confronted a lot—like not confronted, but comforted—some students who who knew people uh, that were there when that happened. Like when I when I look back twenty years from now, forty years from now, when I look back on my career in student affairs and in res life, you know whether I climb the ladder or I move out of it eventually, these are the things I remember, and that's like the first thing. It was, you know, it was a, over a year and about a year into the job, and that is like the first thing I remember is this like really impactful moment where my, my resident Emily came to my door and she was sobbing, and I I hadn't even seen the news yet, so I just was like, okay, there's a lot of things that could be happening right now, and then just learning about all of it and helping her, like that's one of the first things that comes to mind. Um, a couple others, uh, I helped a student uh, get help from they're being domestically abused and they weren't like a resident in my building. It was a student who had lived with my, in my building previously. And this is at my last institution and we were just close and we were getting lunch and I learned these things and I, I helped her to get the help that she needed. So that, that sticks out as a very really vivid memory. Um, helping when I, I was in uh, AC for three years at Towson. And then as I was leaving my third year, I got a new boss. Who, as a grad, I knew everything about the place. I knew all the staff. I knew everything. I helped her transition into the job, and then I came here, uh, and I had I had a grad who was in a similar boat who had been here. Ashley Thomas, she'd been here for like four years, and in my first year, she helped me trans transition a lot. Um, some of the biggest ones last year, right before Halloween, we did Just Be You, which was uh, an event where we gathered some of the like, these really influential people at WVU to talk about toxic masculinity and healthy masculinity and um, just like all these things it was just really it's I spent so much time on that event uh, and it was really it was really good we had like 90 people come um, lots of positive feedback so that was cool uh, Getting into like the major ones uh, again not trying not to wait take, take up too much time but uh, when I started at WVU, I was the fourth RHC in four years, okay? They had had a new one every year. And so I mentioned I had that grad, Ashley, who'd been here, who'd seen all of them and done all of it and just was sick of the, you know, the carousel, you know, the, just like the merry-go-round of different people that were in charge and running the building. Um, And I told all the people in that room, all of my new RAs and all my returns, I will be here until you all graduate. And now I'm the only RHC in Braxton for the last four and a half years. And all of those staff have graduated. So I'm I'm pretty proud of that. Um, our engineering LLC. Uh, didn't exist before I started and then had a really rough year. And since then, thanks to Kristen and Mike Brewster's help has really rebounded. And I'm, you know, I'll remember that for a long time because after I'm gone, I'm going to be curious about how the engineering LLC is doing in Braxton Tower at WVU. Uh, and the last thing that I think of as a crowning achievement, I'm not going to say their name because they know exactly who they are. Um, Ange and I and like our, our peers will tell you, like, if you can impact one student, uh, then you'll have done your job. And I could say that about a lot, um, but there's one in particular that I think about all the time in my career. It's at the end of my first year at Towson, the student came and interviewed for a job with me and she talked about like wanting to have something to belong to. She didn't really know why she was at that school. She didn't know what she was doing. And she was just, she was applying for the job to have a job, but she was really, she talked about wanting to find like a group of people that she could relate to, essentially looking for friends. Um, and this was a student that like had gotten in, you know, they'd been documented, they got in trouble, they'd made mistakes. Um, and against better judgment, I hired them. I definitely shouldn't have, there were other, there were better candidates, but that what they said really spoke to me and I hired them and they turned into one of the, uh, probably the best student employee I've ever had. And one of the best RAs I've ever had. Uh, later on in her career she worked for me for a year and then she was an RA for me for a year and then I left Towson Um, and so I like when I think 20 plus years from now back on my time in in higher ed and res life I will think of that student specifically and many students but that story specifically.
0: Ah so good Patrick I love it yeah I think that I definitely agree well one that program your toxic masculinity program was phenomenal so thank you. um for those who missed it, I'm hoping that you know when covid's over maybe something something can come to fruition again Me too. um and definitely agree with you um you know with student impact um the the students whose lives you've kind of shaped and and formed and helped grow, um, which you'll see with my answer soon. Um, that's everything, you know, even if one person sticks out to you, that means the world. It means more than having like any amount of people to program, right? Like, so I, I think that that defines success is, is if you impacted one person, you know, we did our job.
1: Absolutely.
0: So definitely for me, um, Similar, very similar achievements. So um, I, I think my first is that I've had the opportunity to mentor a lot of folks while they were RAs, but also past that point. So um, a couple of my former RAs from Pitt Johnstown, I'll shout out to you, Molly and Luke, love you. Mom loves you. Um, you know, I got them to get into this field. Um, so they're in my grad program at IUP right now. and. Um, you know, there's definitely a reality to this field in that we don't get paid as much as some other people. So um, when I have yeah. those conversations with people about doing what we do, um, I talk about the benefits um, that, that outweigh pay. So it's important to obviously like live a comfortable life, but I think that this is a very rewarding profession in that we get to be educators every day and teach those life lessons that maybe there isn't as much space for in the classroom anymore. And so um, seeing them grow and um, to learn to love this field and this profession just means a lot to me. Um, the other thing too, is that, um, you know, if you know me, I like to think I'm a pretty approachable person. (laughs) I'm obviously a lot. I'm very charismatic, have a lot of energy. Um, but over the years, um, you know, including my time at St. Mary's, Pitt Johnstown here, um, I found myself being an individual and a safe resource that a lot of students have come to, to, Um, you know, disclose things like a sexual assault or to come out as gay or bi um, to me. And that means the world to me, that I was chosen as this person that someone felt safe confiding in. Um, Even though I am not a confidential resource um, for some things, um, you know, it it meant a lot to me and means a lot to me when students feel comfortable coming to me um, as that person. Um, because I will, I will champion for my students. I will support, um, and, um, no matter what you share with me, I will, you know, love each and every one of my students and who you are as a person. Um, so that, that definitely has been, um, just knowing that that impact and being that resource in person has meant a lot to me. Um, definitely another one awesome. was working an all women's institution, Um, I have always had like all guy friends, (laughs) like mostly all guy friends. And so I was like, I can't do it. And I ended up at an all girl school for three years and I loved it. It was so hard. My first year, um, I didn't have any friends. I moved to the state of Indiana with like nobody and, um, ended up finding some of my best friends and, uh, just growing into my own skin I learned so much confidence in who I am as a female leader um, in this profession and in the world. Um, I I wouldn't be the person I am today without that experience. And um, on top of that as well, I um, became a Green Dot certified um trainer which is a um, personal based violence and sexual assault prevention program and so i realized too that i have a lot of passion for that work and so that's something i definitely hope to continue and support and champion for while i'm here at wvu my final thing is is getting here you know getting to wvu um to uh you know challenge myself to take on a role at a large public institution was a really big deal for me. Um, I've worked at very small schools before this, and um, I love every minute of it. I I think we have so many challenges here, um, especially in times of COVID, but I'm really proud to work for WVU. I'm proud of the tradition. I'm proud of the school spirit that we have here. And, um, you know, despite this being the most challenging year of my career um, with COVID nineteen, I think that this has challenged me to grow in really unique ways and to think outside the box when it comes to being a support for my residents. And so, um, even though this year is really hard and sad sometimes because I can't just go hang out with students outside my office and drink coffee, um, it's challenged me in in different ways, and I think that even though we're all really burnt out, which I'm so burnt out, I need like so much Christmas and holiday relaxation after this semester. Um, And I'm a Christmas fanatic. For those who know me, my tree is up. You can't see my camera, but I do have three trees that are up. Um, And so even though I'm super burnt out, um, I know that I'm going to look back on our time during COVID and, and look at how much I've grown as a professional. So that was a lot, and I was a little bit winded, but um,
1: that's okay. Very thankful. (laughs) So we're very excited to talk about ourselves. Hey, one thing I want (laughs) to add, and one thing I want to add, as I didn't also didn't know this about you, is you said that you've always had like all guy friends. I I obviously have been the opposite my entire (laughs) life. I've always had more. Friends that are female, then met friends that are male. It's my Patrick uh, and our
0: BFFs now. <laughs> yeah, this is this is why this it just everything
1: is just making a lot more sense. Why we've always clicked. This is it. Does. It. it does. It totally does. <laughs> all right. So our last question, which is the one that we end all of our interviews with, uh, I got this idea because uh, one of the alternates that works for me, Mo Morgan Christian, asked me this a couple of weeks ago. So I'll answer first to give Anne some time to think. Um, but the question is, what advice would you give to the 19-year-old the version of yourself uh, and why that advice? And so for the record, um, I, and I don't actually state this publicly very often, my, I, I am out of my late 20s. I am 30. Uh, so what would I give my advice 10 plus years ago when I, I was 19 when I was a freshman at UConn? And so the advice I'd give is you are going to fail a lot and just keep going so i talked about you know i talked about the ra thing i flat out rejection no uh alternate position a year later that was hard Um, everything that i wanted at uconn uh, i pretty much didn't get uh, which is was really hard i just kept like i like i went there for the the education program that was why i left philadelphia to go to you know stores connecticut the middle of nowhere because uh, they had a top 25 undergrad education program in the country. You leave in five years with your master's and they have like 100% job placement. Uh, I got there and they're like, all my friends, all the people that I knew, all the other students were like, they never get male applicants. Like you're a shoo-in. You are a shoe in you do not even need to try. Um, they do a group process interview and then an individual and then you do it. The group is three people and they tell you one of you will get an interview. And The individual, they tell you one of every two people will get in. Um, and I didn't get a group interview. And when I told somebody that my senior year who was in the program, she laughed in my face and I was like, no, seriously, I didn't. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I thought that was just something that they said to scare people. I didn't realize that people actually didn't get group interviews. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't, it didn't happen for me. Um, The like number one leadership position at UConn is orientation leader. Uh, It's really prestigious. There's very few of them. It's a big deal. They get paid a lot. Um, And I applied for that. And my, like my application was impeccable. I knew my references were best friends with the person that was making hiring decisions. Uh, group interview, individual, uh, crushed the group interview. Individual I knew wasn't good. I got called back for a second individual. And she told me she had never done that in her career, but she said on paper I was perfect. But, you know, my, inter- my individual interview with her before had been terrible. and She told me that to my face and she gave me another shot and I still didn't get the job. Uh, so that was heartbreaking and that happened around the same time as all the other stuff. Um, there was a lot, I ran for community council president one year uh, and got destroyed in a landslide in the, in the election. Like everything I ever wanted at an undergrad, I did not get. And so it's important to not take it personally and to keep pushing forward, to keep trying things and to keep going, to not let it define you or destroy you because it is Life is so much bigger than that. Your time in college is so much bigger than that. Um, And just keep, if you want something, then keep going for it because that resiliency, that passion will show through. Um, And for me, eventually that meant getting the RA job and eventually making a career out of it. So that's the advice I'd give to 19-year-olds.
0: Oh, so good, Patrick. Yeah, I, I definitely, looking at my life too, there's so much growth and failure. And at that time, you think that the world is ending, but like there's so much more in store. So that, that kind of ties into my advice. I look at 19-year-old Angela. So I was the opposite. I was a bibby. I started college when I was 17. <laughs> so those of y'all who, you know, your FERPA release, your mom and dad get a letter every time that you do something wrong, like because you're under 18. That was me too. I didn't do anything wrong though. Correction. I've never been documented. Um, I was going to say, hold on. Okay, I've been documented for an uh air freshener. I had a plug-in air freshener, wow. I didn't know I wasn't allowed to have, so I'm sorry. Got correction, a over but here. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, I, I was definitely um an awkward kid. And so I think that I mean, shocker. No, but my advice to my nineteen year old self, um, Angela at that time was very uncomfortable in her skin and didn't know who she was. And um I, I think a lot of young females. We don't know our place. We don't have confidence. Um, you know, sometimes we're challenged by speaking up in the classroom and, and sometimes you get walks or like, oh, do I sound stupid? Um, and that imposter syndrome really sinks in because the world tells us sometimes as women that we can't do it or our opinions aren't as good. And so, um, my advice to 19 year old Angela would be to, um, to challenge yourself to be more comfortable in your skin, but also to know that it gets better and that, um, you know, even when we're young and awkward and feel like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know who I am, um, you know, just just stay strong and, and be true to yourself, right? Like, I fully embrace that I am a total weirdo. And, um, you know, like Patrick, I'm, I'm pushing 30, I'm 28 now, I turned 29 in December. So, um, I joke that it goes downhill when you turn 25, but I think (laughs) in reality, after I turned 25, I really, um, you know, as I got older, I'm very comfortable my skin. I'm comfortable with who I am. And so, um, if you're going through that right now, just keep holding on to, um, who you are. Um, peer pressure is terrible, so um, I know that we fall into that sometimes. But um, the more you stay true to yourself, the older you get, the wiser you get, you'll know that like just being real with who you are and embracing your weird um, is gonna be it's it's gonna be very meaningful, and um, it's definitely very freeing when you you're confident in who you are and and learn to really love yourself. So that's my advice to all my weirdos out there. Awesome.
1: Thanks so much. And I think we should change for the spring semester change our tag um, towers. Embrace your weird.
0: <laughs> How's that towers sound?
1: You that, weird. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like that would be really catchy. I think people would really like, you know, maybe we'll see.
0: Yeah. But anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in this entire semester. We can't thank you enough for giving us your time and your ears and for listening to us ramble a lot today.
1: Catch us next semester when we interview more members of the WVU community.